please in the Bible to two openings this evening, Hebrews 7 and 2 Corinthians 6. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified and then the New Living. Read whatever you have there handy. In Hebrews 7 and verse 25, 7.25 says, Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he's always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. Here is the high priest, perfectly adapted to our needs as was fitting, holy, blameless, unstained by sin, separated from sinners, and exalted higher than the heavens. (laughs) And he is, hallelujah. Let me go over that again. Jesus, our high priest, he is holy. He is blameless, unstained by sin, separated from sinners, and exalted higher than the heavens. Now we have been for, what is it, 10, 11 weeks now? On the subject, we are calling separate from sin. Separate from sin. Was Jesus separate from sin? Did he live separate from sin? Absolutely. Should we see how much sin we can get into? Or should we endeavor to live separate from sin? Well, look in 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6 and the 14th verse. I'm reading the New Living, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. He says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? So he's asked a question, so we should answer it. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? Doesn't work. How can light live with darkness? It can't. When the light comes in, darkness has to go. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? None. We've said it before, but it'll bear repetition because there's so many Christians and ministers, bless their hearts, that continue to try to infer and imply and outright say and teach that God and the devil are working together some way or another. Well, if they are, we've had it. Right? If God is working with our enemy, we might as well just quit. No, God and the devil have never worked together. Are not working together and never will work together. Ever. Ever. What harmony, we're reading the Bible now, what harmony can there be between Christ, the anointed one, and the devil, the destroyer? None. Not, Zippo, nothing, right? Goes on to say, how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Doesn't work. What union can there be between God's temple and idols? 
None. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I'll live in them and walk among them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Therefore, come out from them and separate yourselves from them. That's that word again, separate. Jesus is separate from sin. What's he telling us? Come out from what? We have to back up in the previous verses. The unbelief, the wickedness, the darkness, the devil, the unbelief, right? Come out from that. And be separate from that. Separate yourself from them in that, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body, our spirit, and let us work toward complete purity because we fear God. The NIV says, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Are there things in this life, even though we have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, even though we've been made the righteousness and the holiness of God by faith in Him, Are there things that can defile us and contaminate not just our body, but our spirit? According to this, what do you say? Let us cleanse ourselves from what contaminates and defiles both spirit and flesh. So is there a responsibility that we have to keep ourselves from contamination and defilement? Are there things that we ought not watch? Somebody say, you think you're too good to watch that? (laughs) Well, God is of purer eyes than to behold certain things, and he's in you, and he's in me, right? If you wouldn't watch it with Jesus sitting beside you on the couch, then you better change the channel because he's even closer than sitting beside you. He's right on the inside you, right? Somebody say, well, nobody knows. He knows, right? How many know you can't get away from the Lord and there's nothing you can hide from him or pull over on him? I mean, you can catch the fastest plane and fly to the farthest corner of the earth and you can hide behind a palm tree and the Holy Ghost will say, hey, (laughs) what are you doing? Right? You can't get away from him. You can't hide from him. You can't hide anything from him. That's why the Bible says if our heart condemns us. God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. What does that mean? Go to him. Don't run from him. Don't act like he doesn't know. He already knows. Just get it straight. Get it right. So there are places that we ought not go. There are things we ought not be a part of. Things we ought not be involved in because it can contaminate us both outside and inside. So the series we're calling Separate from Sin. Let's pray for the rest of the service tonight. How many believe with me for utterance and anointing to go beyond where we've been in this subject? Do you believe it's important? I believe we're doing it by the direction of the Lord, that it is vital and important to our daily life. So believe with me right now. Father God, all of us are coming before you as a church family this evening, believing you, looking to you. Our eyes are not on each other, but on you. Give all of us 
eyes that see, ears that hear, a heart that's open and receptive. Let there come divine grace and revelation of truth that makes free and will not be hearers only, but we will by your grace be doers, those who act on these truths and live them and do them to your glory. And we know as we do, we will not fail, for you are faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we talked about, among other things, we talked about what holiness is not. And we said it is not this holier-than-thou, superior-feeling thing. Well, we don't do this and we don't do that. And so many times people have preached holiness as their particular collection of don'ts. Right? Well, you don't do this and you don't do that. I had somebody a while back was trying to talk to me and they trying to tell me they didn't believe in something I believed in. All they told me is what they don't believe in. Well, we don't believe in that. We don't believe in this. We don't believe in that. And we asked them, Phyllis asked them, she said, well, what do you believe in? You know Phyllis. (laughs) And she's right. And they just stumbled and just, uh, uh, uh. Well, see, they are extremely well versed in what they don't believe. Well, where does that leave you? Okay, so there's a lot of stuff you don't believe in. That's not going to make you victorious in life. What do you believe in? What do you have faith in? And listen, preachers, that's why you ought not just go around preaching against stuff. Hmm? Don't don't preach against stuff all the time. Preach for something. Right? Preach for something. Well, people are in sin. So, when you get through preaching against it, what's it going to do? I'll tell you what's going to happen. People will feel bad about it, and they'll go out and keep doing it. Condemnation doesn't work. It doesn't produce results. It doesn't produce victory. A lot of times people already feel bad about what's going on. They know it's a problem. They know they're messed up. What's going to help them to overcome it? Oh, the Word of God brings strength to the Spirit. It brings faith. And you can get built up in yourself. It might not happen in a day or two, but if you stay with it, you can get built up to where what used to be, you just fall and be weak about, you can stand up and say, no, no, I'm doing the right thing this time. No, strength has come up in me. Faith has come up in me. I have confidence now. No. I says, well, what if they're doing this and doing that? Hey, you're doing drugs. This is your church. Huh? You sleeping around? This is your place right here. Somebody say, you want those folks? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I want you. You This is where you ought to be so you can get built up. You've been lying and stealing? This is your church right here. Come on in here. Get built up. Amen. Overcome. Yeah. Is that right, church family? Is that right? Yeah, we want you. We want you. Glory to God. Now, we're not going to tell you that's all right. We're not going to give you a star for lying. (laughs) But we're going to tell you that if you'll stay hooked, we're not going to condemn you for it. But if you'll stay hooked, you can overcome. You can grow up. You can quit living like that. 
you can live separate from sin. We talked about what holiness is not. We talked about what sin is. Let me review just a little bit. Uh, One thing that you know the Bible says sin is the transgression of the law. Well, if the Bible says, you know, don't lie, thou shalt not lie. Well, if you lie, that's a sin. Well, also the Bible says to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. If you know something you should do, and you know that's the right thing to do, but sometimes doing nothing is sin, right? Because you knew what to do. And then Romans, you know, 14 says, whatever is not a faith is sin. And we summed it up by saying this phrase, sin is violation of light. We went into great detail in Romans 5 and 6. And you know, let me just uh, remind you this passage from John 9, John the ninth chapter. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. Jesus said to them, he said, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. And we went into great detail about how that sin is not imputed where there is no law, where you don't see, where you don't have revelation, it's not imputed or counted against you. And if we walk in the light that we have, hallelujah, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ does what? Cleanseth, that's present tense, continual, cleanses and keeps on cleansing and just keeps us clean. Long as we walk in the light, we stay clean. Do you have to sin every day? No, No, you do not. That is a lie that's been taught in churches. Well, we're just old sinners saved by grace and nobody can make it through an hour without sinning. That is a lie. I said, that is a lie. Yes, I've sinned. Yes, you've sinned. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the very reason we have to repent is because we didn't have to sin. We could have done something different. If we couldn't help it, then we shouldn't be expected to repent because it's not our fault, but it is our fault. And yes, friend, it is gloriously possible for you to go day after day and week after week and not sin against the Lord. Huh? It is. And if you do miss it, aren't you glad that you can confess your sin? And he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And you stand back up just as clean as when you first got saved by the blood of the Lamb. We talked at length about the effects of sin. And oh, they're many and grievous. I mean, the Bible sums it up by saying the wages of sin is what? It'll kill you. The Lord didn't tell you don't sin because he wants to spoil your fun. It kills something in you, some part of you, every time you violate the light that you have. It's very deceitful, the Bible calls it. Would you turn with me tonight, let's go on into another area now, to Galatians. Tonight I want us to finish up talking about, you know, how to do this in particular so that there is no more room for sin. There's some precious things, wonderful things in the word here that'll help you to where you just leave no room for sin in your life. Now, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, Galatians chapter five, verse 16, 
This is the principle that we're, uh, we're looking at tonight. Galatians 5.16 This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Does that sound like not sinning? Let's just stop right here. How could you keep from sinning? Walk in the Spirit. Sounds real simple, doesn't it? (laughs) And it is. For, he goes on to describe, walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth. Now, we spent some time earlier seeing that James described how sin occurs. He said, uh, let nobody say when they're tempted that they're tempted of God. Because God doesn't tempt anybody to sin. He can't be tempted with evil himself. Right? But he went on to say, but every person is tempted when they are drawn away of their own lust or their own desire. The devil can't make me sin. He can't make you sin. All the demons in hell could not gang up together and force you to sin. Oh, come on now. Somebody needs to believe that in here tonight. Because don't you hear it all the time? People say, well, I couldn't help it. That's not true. I said, that's not true. There is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you, suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. What does that mean? There is no temptation, one translation said, that is irresistible. There's no such thing as an irresistible temptation. I couldn't help it, Brother Keith. That money was sitting there on the table, and it just next thing I knew, I had it in my pocket. I tried not to get it. I didn't want to, Brother Keith. I didn't want to get the money. Yeah, you did. You did exactly what you wanted to do. You wanted the money, and so you took the money. Well, I couldn't help it. You're a liar. I have to believe the Bible, right? And the Bible said there is no such thing. As an irresistible temptation, God won't allow it. So if you messed up, it's because you chose to. If I messed up, it's because I chose to. Hmm? How can we keep from messing up? Choose to walk in the Spirit. Now when you say walk in the Spirit, so many times people have funny ideas. About what that means. They think that means you're probably kind of half in a trance. (laughs) Speaking in tongues with your eyes rolled back in your head. Walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is something you're supposed to do every day. You're supposed to be in a trance every day? I don't think so. (laughs) No, let's look at it in its simplistic uh, explanation. Walking in the spirit means you choose to yield to what you know on the inside of you. How many know that when you've made a mistake, if you walked with God for any length of time, and you've been born again, you were being tempted, you're being pulled to lie, to steal, to whatever. How many know there was something on the inside of you? Huh? There's somebody on the inside of you. Who? The Holy Spirit. Telling you, uh uh-uh, no, no. This is not right. This is not right. 
Right? What would walking in the Spirit be in that case? Saying, oh, mm -mm, that ain't right. I can't do that. And if you choose to follow what you got in your heart, then you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit. You are walking in the Spirit. But what if you got this on the inside of you and it's going, oh, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And your flesh goes, I want it. And I'm going to have it. And you override what you got on the inside. Then what did you do? You yielded to the lust of the flesh. You're walking in the flesh. You didn't yield to what you got on the inside. How can I keep from yielding to the, the lust and desires of the flesh? Yield to what you got on the inside all the time. And if you're doing that all the time, you're not going to be sinning all the time. I call it the law of displacement. You can't be full of two different things. You can't be full of love for God and obedience to God and be full of sin. You can't be full of walking in the spirit and be full of the yielding to the flesh. You can't be. How many remember that Jesus talked about people who had been oppressed and even possessed with evil and wrong spirits? And he'd set people free. He cast them out. And he said, when the evil spirit and unclean spirit's gone out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I'll return to my house from whence I can't lie devil. That ain't his house. But that's how the enemy is. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a destroyer. I'll go back to my house from whence I came out. And he goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And he goes and he finds it. Now listen. Empty. Swept and garnished, God delivered him and cleaned him up, but he finds it what? Empty. Empty. As a sign on the front says vacancy. And he goes in there with these seven other wrong spirits, and the last condition and state of that man is worse than the first. What's the big problem here? If you believe God and you ask, he'll deliver you, he'll clean you up, he'll set you free. But is that the end of it? No, you better fill up. Right? You better get full of the word. You better get full of faith. You better get full of God. So that when the enemy comes knocking, there's a big sign out front that says, No vacancy. No room here. That means you, devil. Right? The devil wants to come in. Didn't the Bible say, give the devil no place? Neither give place to the devil. When he comes knocking, you go, oh, no room. Yeah. What do you mean? We're full up. Amen. What do you mean? Full up. I'm full of God. God has filled, and he bought every block of room. He filled me up. I'm full of obedience. I'm full of grace. I'm full of faith. I'm full of the Spirit. Full of the love of God. No room for you here. No room for sin. Right? Does this mean you'll never be tempted again? No, No, you got flesh. And anybody can be tempted. Do you have to yield to the temptation? No, you do not have to yield to the desires and lust of the flesh. You yield to what you know is right on the inside. Right? Do what you know is right. See, the King James uses Old English and sometimes people 
It doesn't mean what it should, but all the times it talks about righteousness, righteousness, righteous, righteousness. Someone that just goes over people's head. Take all that off the end and just say right. Right. If you're walking in righteousness, what does that mean? God is showing you on the inside what's right. And you're doing it. Right? And he checks you and goes, uh-uh, that's wrong. You can't be a part of that. Amen. Hmm? And sometimes your flesh says, yeah, but we want to do it. Looks fun. Yeah. Now I want to, you say, inside you go, uh, that ain't right. It ain't right. So if I'm going to walk in the spirit, I have to go with what I know is right yeah. on the inside all the time. Well, they said it was all right. Well, that's between them and God. Right? I'm not going to judge them. But if it doesn't seem right to you, then for you to go ahead and do it, that's what the Bible said. Whatever's not of faith is sin. If it don't seem right to you and you override that because of what somebody else is doing and go on and do it, then you sinned. Well, did they sin or not? I don't know. I don't know what's in their heart. And it's not for me to judge or you to judge. But how many know that you can and you should walk in such a way that you can lay your head on the pillow at night? And as far as you know, you did the right thing. If you started off wrong, you corrected it and got it straightened up, right? And you follow in your heart. What are you doing if you're doing that? You are walking in the Spirit. Now let's keep reading. Walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You don't have to go around every day going, I'm trying not to sin. I'm trying not to sin. I don't sin. Don't sin. What are you meditating on? Sin. What you probably going to do? Sin. You're full of thinking about sin. No, no, no. I can't do it. Mm -mm, Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. That doesn't work. (laughs) Just working, working, trying not to sin. And see, that's what so many people are doing, isn't it? I'm trying hard not to sin, Brother Keith. That don't work. He didn't say try hard not to sin. What did he say? Walk in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost instead of watch that junk on TV. Hmm? Then it don't take half the night to try to get that junk out of your head. You don't have to cast it down a thousand times because you never saw it. Be smart. Make it easy on yourself. Right? I'm going to go over that again real slow. How many know it's just easier... Not to have to deal with things. Then to see stuff and hear stuff and be involved in stuff. And then you got, there it is in your mind. And how many know what a persistent aggravating cuss the devil is? He'll bring it back to you 9,000 times in an hour. Right? But who can you blame? Who made you watch it? Who made you listen to it? Who made you do it? No. Make it easy on yourself. Live a separated life, right? The moment, and don't, you know, people try to fool each other, but the moment that something starts, you'll know on the inside, "Uh uh-uh, no, that's not something you need to see. Now, you do not have to watch it for another hour to confirm that. (laughs) You can step into a place and you can tell, I shouldn't be here. Hmm? Well, somebody said, yeah, but I don't want to be rude. You better be more concerned about sinning against God. 
Sometimes you just have to say, you know, guys, I'm sorry. You know, I made a mistake. I got to go home. Hmm? Don't judge them and try to push anything off on them. If something's bothering your heart, it's time for you to get straight and get away. And if you're following what you have in your heart all the time, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Man, this is good news, friend. This is good news, isn't it? We have found how not to sin. Oh, we're not excited enough. (laughs) Where are you? Galatians. Galatians 5, we just got through reading. I want to read this to you in another translation. He said, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. You want what? Now, can you see what we've already been talking about? There is a temptation, right? There is a pull, but there's something else. How many know you're not alone in this deal? The greater one is on the inside of you, right? And he's letting you know, uh uh-uh, no, this is not for you, this is not right. So if you obey him and follow him, even though it's there, you won't carry it out. Even though the thought came, the feeling came, you won't carry it out. Listen to the English version. He said, what I say is this, let the spirit direct your lives And you will not satisfy the desires of the human nature. Let him direct you. And you won't satisfy it. You won't yield to it. You won't fulfill it. Would you go with me to the book of uh, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 1. Now here's the real heart of the matter. Every child of God has the greater one inside them. Every child of God, the Lord's going to be dealing with and showing you what's right and wrong. Every one of us could choose to follow what we know is right. Hmm? Then why don't people? Why are people overriding what they know is right and choosing to do what they know is wrong by the millions? Why? Well, here it is. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 3, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be what? Lovers of their own selves. Now here's the real heart of the deal. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. How many know unthankfulness is ungodliness? And so many times when people are just wanting more, wanting more, wanting more, wanting more. See, they're unthankful for what has already been done for them. Nothing's ever enough. And you should not continue doing Well, y'all owe me. Said who? Who said we owed you something? Well, you owe me love, and we do. But that doesn't mean we're supposed to do everything you think we ought to do. I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about you. And I'm talking about your family. 
Well, that's not going over too big, is it? (laughs) How about your resources that you have? The money that you have and the stuff that you have. How'd you get that? Hmm? So I worked hard for my money. Have some sense now. You wouldn't have another heartbeat. Much less an idea and get out of bed and go to work and make some money. Except God had graced you and helped you and strengthened you. So you are a steward of those resources. Then you should do with them what he directs you to do. Including with your family. You're supposed to be led with your family just like you are with other people. And when somebody comes up and starts acting like, you know, well, you owe this. You're supposed to do this for me. You ought to, that ought to send off bells and whistles right immediately. Amen. Why? Because God is my source. Who's your source? Supposed to be God. If God's your source, then I'm not your source. Right? You need to be looking to me. If God deals with me, I'll do it. Otherwise, leave me alone. Right? Yeah, but if you don't do it, I won't have it. (laughs) Then you're making me your source. Right? No, listen. Don't make any man, any woman your source. Everybody said out loud, God's my source. And we've already talked about this before. When God is your source and you look into him and you got your faith in him, you put no pressure on people. None. None. Right. Now keep reading. He said they'll be lovers of their own selves. Now skip on down to verse 4. They're traitors, heady, high-minded. What? Lovers of pleasures. Now here's the heart of it. What? More than lovers of God. Say that phrase out loud. Lovers of pleasures more than Lovers of God. That's the thing. Why do people override what they have in their heart. And go on and do what they know is wrong. Because they love their self. They love the pleasure more than they love God. I know people don't like it that black and white. But that's how it is. Right? Go with me to the fourth chapter Timothy. Here's an example of this. 2 Timothy 4, 10. He said, Demas has forsaken me. Well, this is somebody who's helping Paul. How many know uh, human nature's always been the same? And I don't care. Did we not see people who served with Jesus? Handpicked? That left him. Right? Here Paul said, Demas was one of our team here, and said, he forsook me. What does that mean? He left. Why? Having loved this present world, and has departed to Thessalonica, which was a happening place in those days, if you wanted to sin. Why? Because he loved this present world. He loved the, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He loved that more than the ministry and serving God. 
Right? Why aren't all these seats full in here tonight? Huh? Why aren't there, you know, people standing trying to get in tonight wanting to hear the Word of God? Wanting, like me and you, wanting to find the will of God and and get in the things of God and please God. Find His will and do His will. Why? Why aren't they here? Or in all the other churches? Why? Because they love something else more. Right? Now go with me to the book of John. John the third chapter. Now we know how to keep from sinning. How do you do it? Walk in the spirit. All the time. And you'll sin none of the time. Right? Walk in the spirit half the time. So just go back to number one. Walk in the Spirit all the time. Is that difficult? You don't have to be in a trance to do that. How do you do that? Follow what you know inside. Do what you know is right. Do what you know God would have you to do. Do what you know pleases Him. Do what you know He said. Do it. And you'll be walking in the Spirit. Okay. If that's so simple, then why doesn't everybody do it? Well, it's got to be the motivation. Hmm? Why isn't everybody perfectly lean? <laughs> and have perfect Olympic physiques? Me and you. Why? <laughs> Everything in life is about choices. Every day. Even concerning the stuff you have no control over. It's still your choice how you react to it. And how you respond to it. Whether it's faith or pitifulness and doubt and fear and unbelief. But why doesn't all of us have Olympic physiques? Because we've loved something more. We decided we would rather have two pieces of cheesecake at midnight than to have that trim waist. People don't like it that black and white. They don't like that. But that's exactly how it is. If you wanted the other enough, you would choose. But what people are saying is, I'd rather have cheesecake. I would rather... Have that big bag of tater chips than I would get in that smaller dress. Yes. <laughs> I've done it. I'm not talking about you. I've done it. I'm talking about me. But let's be honest. Right? Why aren't you already? I mean, there might be a few folks in here. But why aren't all of us already multimillionaires? Hmm? I said, well, Brother Keith, the Lord just didn't say, oh, no, no, don't blame it on the Lord. An acquaintance of mine, several years ago, started off with $50 and a set of Brother Hagin's tapes on how to be led by the Spirit. Now he's flying around in a $40 million airplane. Owns real estate everywhere. 
Businesses everywhere. Malta, 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 Malta. Millionaire. Used to be fifty dollars. What happened? Well, some people blew theirs, and some people invested. Oh, it's too quiet in here. I mean, because people don't like it that plain. They they want to blame it on God. Well, we just don't know, Brother Keith. I just don't know why I can't get rid of this 50 pounds. It's a mystery. (laughs) I don't know why I can't get ahead in my finances. It's a mystery. No, it ain't no mystery. You love something else more than you love and want that. Me? You? Right? Oh, we're having fun now. John 3, have you found that place? John 3. In the third chapter of John, very familiar verse of scripture here, verse 16. God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What did God love more than us? Think about the question now. What did God love more than us? Nothing. He gave the most precious he had. For us. Right? What did Jesus love more than us? Nothing. So that's why he expects that from us. Right? He expects and he requires. That we love him more than anything. And anybody. And he's jealous about it. He is unwilling To share first place with anybody or anything. Isn't he? Let me read this to you. Matthew 10, 37. Don't turn there. Just stay right here in John 3. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I mean, these are the, some of the closest places in your life, right? Your mother, your father, your son, your daughter. Is it okay to love your child as much as you love the Lord? No. It is not okay. Is it okay to love your spouse as much or more than the Lord? No. It is not okay. Now, how many people, though, have missed the will of God because of their spouse? Phyllis and I were talking the other day. We know people that have missed the plan of God for their life over a house. Oh, I can't leave my house. How long you think you're going to keep it? It ain't long. You're going to be out of here. And that house ain't going to matter. None of the natural stuff you had or did is going to matter. Only one thing's going to matter. 
Did you do what you were born to do? Did you do what he told you to do? It's the only thing that will matter. What do we have to have that's strong enough to overcome the desires of our selfish flesh? Love for him. Can you see why I mean the first commandment? Why he started off with that in the Old Testament and why he tells us again, this is the commandment. What? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And you love your neighbors yourself. But you love him first and above all, nothing comes close to him. Right? I've seen people leave ministries, leave churches because their kid got miffed about something. And their kids are everything. And it is. They are. They love their kids and they put their kids above God. Oh, it happens all the time. All the time. People put their jobs above God. Oh, I got transferred. I can make a lot more money. So they jump out of where God put them to serve in the kingdom. And run, follow that dollar. Oh, it happens all the time. All the time. People are led by money, not by God. They're led by their husband or wife. They're led by their children. They're led by some relationship. It's sad. There's going to be so many people come to the judgment seat of Christ. They're going to stand before the Lord. He's going to say, why didn't you do what I told you to do? And they're going to say, well, (laughs) you know how my wife was. And she didn't want to go there. And and you know how my kids are. They didn't have the kind of schools we were looking for over there. And the Lord ain't even going to hear it. I said, he's not even going to hear it. There is no excuse for ignoring him and disobeying him. If we've made mistakes in the past, God will forgive us. Let's put it in the past. But let's make up our mind. I'm not wasting another day. Letting something or somebody, my flesh or somebody else lead me around by the nose. Life is short. It's short. It's short. Hadn't got weeks and months and years to waste and blow. What is the Lord saying? What's his direction? That's what I'm going to do. What did Jesus say? I mean, every day Jesus said, I do always those things that please him. I live to please him. Why? Because he loved the Father God. Right? Let's keep reading this. He said in verse 19, John 3, 19, this is the condemnation. This is why men and women are condemned. Light is come into the world. And what happened? What? And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone that does evil hates the light and neither comes to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. I know ministers right now. Ministers. Pastored churches, successful in lots of ways. And they decided 
that they loved. One I'm thinking about, this man decided he loved another man. More than he loved God, more than he loved the ministry, more than he loved his wife and family. So that's where he is. This is not somebody that got saved two weeks ago. This person that flowed in the gifts of the Spirit. Quote the word like I do. I mean, this man's been in the ministry for years and years and years. What's the deal? Lovers of pleasures. Lovers of their own self. What? More than God. More than God. I know women that have done the same kind of thing. Friend, there never comes a time when you get to the place where you can't follow your own desires. I don't care how long you walk with God. I could get up tomorrow and get stupid. Hmm? I could. I could say, I'm going to do some drugs. I'm going to find me some women. I'm going to steal me some money. I'm going to rock out. I'm going to do something. You know, I'm going to be wild. I could. I'm not. I said, I'm not. Why? Well, because you're a minister, brother. Good night. What does that mean? You and I, we're all in the same boat as far as being in relationship with God. No, I love him. I said, I love him. I don't want to displease him. I don't want to grieve him. I want to please him. I want to obey him. I want to do what he wants me to do. Right? I want to finish my course. I want to stand before him one day and hear, well done. Well done, Keith. You did what I told you to do. I want to hear that. That means more to me than a temporary satisfaction of the desire of the flesh. How about you? How about you? Do you love him more? 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 Yes. Yes. You know, the Bible said concerning... uh, In fact, hold your place in John. Go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11. And the Lord's helping us tonight. Hebrews 11. Said out loud, I love God more. more. Yeah. That's why you choose to walk in the spirit instead of yield to the flesh. Because I love God more. More than anybody. Including myself. More than anything. Right? Right? There's nothing I love more than God. Right? Now, you know, a lot of people say it and then they prove otherwise. Right? And it's not for me to judge you, you to judge me, but it helps you to say it. Right? I love God with all my heart. Say it out loud. I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I love God more than anybody. I love God more than anything. Right. More than anything. Hebrews 11. 24. 11.24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing. He did what? He chose. Rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the what? Pleasures of sin for a season. Now see, some people will try to tell you, oh, there ain't no pleasure in sin. There is pleasure in sin. 
Hmm? Yeah. Oh, no, there ain't nothing to it. Well, that ain't going to help you. (laughs) There is pleasure in sin. But it's very, very temporary. So brief and fleeting. And then it costs so much. But he said, I mean, here he was set. He's the son of Pharaoh's daughter. No end to how much money and stuff and chariots and lands and I mean, and on and on and on he could have had. But he loved God. And he saw the value of God's people and the value of the covenant of God. And he said, forget it. Like Paul said, I count all that stuff as garbage (laughs) compared to knowing him and the power of his resurrection. It's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice. Every day is a choice. Obey, disobey. Yield to the flesh, walk in the spirit. It's a choice every day. What causes you to choose the right one? Because you love God more than you love that pleasure for yourself. You love him more. You love him more. Go back to John, please, now, the 14th chapter. John 14. Man, this is so rich right here. Mm, This 14th chapter, this whole passage. Jesus is speaking here. Listen with your whole heart. John 14 and verse 15. The master is speaking. If you love me, what? Now let's just stop right here. Do we not have the living spirit inside of us? The one who authored this book. Is he inside of us? Does he give us direction? That's in complete agreement and based on the direction in this book. How many think you should treat his every desire as a command too? His wish, as they say, is my command. If you sense something that he'd like for you to do, that should be enough. Right? Every direction he gives you. If you love him, of course, he's talking about the commandment of love, which covers all these things. But every direction he gives, we should desire to please him. He said, I'll pray the Father, he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So that's what we've been talking about. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Verse 21. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. He that loves me will be loved of my Father. I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now listen, this covers a lot of ground, but one specific application. When you determine and decide to act on his commandment, he will manifest himself to you at that time to enable you to do it. Oh, did you get that now? Did you see that? Well, I just don't have the power, Brother Keith, to get free. Because you've not decided to. 
You still love it too much. You still want it too much. But when you get it in your heart, you love God more than any of this. And you make up your mind, I'm not going to do this. If it killed me, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sin against God. Then you're going to meet the power of God. God is going to manifest himself in you and to you and strength will come up in you that you never had. Wisdom will come up in you. Ability will come up in you because God manifesting himself to you. But you can't wait for that to happen and then you're going to be strong. No, you got to commit in your heart. I will obey. You got to give him something to work with. I will obey you, Lord. I will keep your commandment. Then you are loving him. And that's what faith works by. Right? How do you overcome the whole world? It's even by your faith. But it works by the love. And the love for him. This is a big subject, isn't it? He said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He that loves me not keeps not my sayings and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. Skip on down to verse 31. That the world may know. That I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. He's going to the cross. Why? He loved the Father God, and he loves us. More than anything he's going to go through. More than his comfort. More. Than anything. He offered himself spirit. Soul and body. It was so awful that he cried out. My God. Why have you forsaken me? It was awful beyond what we know. There's a lot more than what you could see on the cross. The biggest part was happening in the spirit. What can motivate a person. To do something so selfless. What can overcome Your desire to live. Now that's a strong desire. What can overcome every desire that the flesh could ever have? Love. Love for God so strong that it overcomes the flesh. Hallelujah. Do you see it? Can you say amen? amen? Just lift your hand. Thank him for a little bit. Say thank you Lord. That love, that love has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, that love. That love is living big in me. That love, that love, that love. Whoo. Go to chapter 21 of John. I think this is closing. John 21. Let me review just a little bit. Jesus, holy, 
blameless. No stains of sin, separate from sinners. Has he called us to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit? Can we? Didn't he tell us sin shall not have dominion over you? Right? You're dead to sin. Can we live that way? We know how to do it. How do you do it? Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right? But there must be something else, mustn't there? Just because you know that you can do something, just because you know how to do it, doesn't mean you're going to do it. There's got to be something to motivate you to do it. What is that motivation? It is the love for God and for other people. Now look at this in uh, John 21. You know the story. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And you know, he called to them. They saw him. And among other things, Jesus jumped, excuse me, Peter jumped in the water, swam to Jesus. And they're sitting there eating with the risen Savior. You know, a lot of people are really glad to hear that, that in the glorified body, you can still eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bible says we're going to have a body like his glorious body. And we have record that he ate fish and bread and ate and drank with them, had meals with them. Well, you know, he's preparing a great supper for us, right? So we're going to have a big time. Verse 14, John 21, 14 says, this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he's risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me, what? What's that next word? More. More than these. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now, what had he already said? More. Than these. He said, Yea, Lord, you know I love you. He said, Feed my sheep. He said the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said the third time, Lovest thou me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, What? Well, that's good. I just wanted to hear you say it. Mm-mm. If you love me, what? Then tell me you love me. No. If you love me, what? You do what I say that is the only way to demonstrate your love for him. Because if you say you love him and you don't do what he says, he said, that's not true. He said, the one who does not do my commandments does not love me. Now see, people don't like that. I mean, people have written... All kind of books on unconditional love. And they have rewritten the gospel to suit their self. And there's something I want you to think about. Don't take my word for it and I'll search it out. Something the Lord, it bothered me. And I heard it and it bothered me again. It had been bothering me for a couple of years now. And the Lord showed me what's wrong with it. There's these denominations. And different groups saying, Jesus preached 
love and acceptance. Every time I'd hear it, it'd bother me. I thought, why does that bother me? Well, this is what Jesus preached. Jesus preached love and acceptance. I said, well, why does that bother me? Because, boy, it bothered me. Well, ain't that what he preached? The Lord said to me just recently, they're misrepresenting me. I said, really? He said, well, search it out. How do you know what I preached? Well, you go to the Bible, right? I went to the Bible. I looked up every place where it said what he preached. It never said anything about acceptance. Ever. It said repentance. Repentance and the good news of the kingdom of God. Every time. Repentance and the good. Repentance is not acceptance. Oh, do you see the perversion? Well, Jesus accepts you the way you are. He will love you, but he does not accept all your sin. He requires you to repent. Did you hear that? The devil's subtle, isn't he? He's subtle. And people try to say, well, you know, if you preach love, then you have to preach acceptance. Oh, no, 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 no. And here he says, do you love me? How... What does he say? Yes, Lord. Then what? Do what I tell you to. Right? And the second time, do you love me? Yeah, well, do what I tell you to. Third time, do you love me? (laughs) Do what I tell you to do. Three times. Why Peter? Why now? Why three times? Do you remember anything? Hmm? Hmm? Peter, not long ago. He and the rest of the disciples had been in the room with Jesus, having a wonderful meal, having a time of fellowship. Jesus looked at him and said, before this night is over, y'all are all going to deny me. And every one of them said, I mean, read the passage. Every one of them said, uh-uh, no, we won't. Peter was the most vocal. He said, no way, ain't no way, Lord. If I have to, I'd die with you. I would die with you. Jesus said, before the day's over, before the morning comes, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. He said, oh, no way. How many times when the Lord looks at you and tells you something, it ain't time to argue. It's time for you to hit the ground and say, oh, God, have mercy, Lord. What can I do? Right? But he was haughty. Now, what happened? That now, how many believe Peter, in his own mind, he thought he meant that? It's obvious because when the guards came and when things started going down, he did not run. He whipped out his blade. Be like pulling your pistol today. He pulled out his weapon and he started slicing off ears. Is that right? He is ready to fight and to go down with Jesus. Isn't he? I believe he thought he was willing to die right now. But it didn't go like he thought it was going to go. Now that's what you got to watch for in life. And then you don't know what's going on or why it's going on. But that is no reason to lose your commitment. That is no reason to lose your love. So then they all ran. And the Bible said he followed John. Because he knew some people and could get in the gate. He followed afar off. 
And he's standing out there by the fire. And they said, you're one of them. And what did he do? Now let's just stop right here. Why? Why did he say that? Somebody said fear. That's a good answer and it's true. But what gets rid of fear? Perfect love casts out fear. What's happening now? He's not loving Jesus enough. He's not loving God enough. Now he's thinking about his life. Right? He is loving his life more than he's loving the Lord. So now he starts denying the Lord. He begins to curse and deny. I don't know the man. I never saw that. I don't know that man. Three times. And the rooster crows. Now, Jesus is raised from the dead. <laughs> Can't deny it. There he is. <laughs> Had a meal with the master. He says, Peter, come in. Don't you know Peter was still feeling some condemnation from that other deal? Jesus, listen to the language. When Jesus said, go tell my disciples and Peter. Hmm. Not good. Well, Peter's the one who said he wasn't. He's the one that denied him. Now he looks at him. He knows his heart. He said, Peter, you love me more. Everybody say more. 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 That's the question, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Lord, I love you. Okay, but do you love him more than any man or woman alive or has ever lived? Do you love him more than anything you could ever want or desire? Do you love him more than life itself? Because that's the only thing that'll do. I think that hadn't been preached strong enough, do you? People will say, well, salvation is free. It is. But he said, come and take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? You got to be willing for it to cost you anything, everything. I will follow him at any cost. And I love him more than anything. How did Jesus go his whole life and never sin? One time. Oh, you see it now, don't you? Was it because he was never tempted? Never even bothered him? He was never even tempted? No, the Bible said he was tempted. Not just like a few of us. In all points, just like us. He wasn't just tempted with everything you've ever been tempted with. He was tempted with everything you and me and everybody that's ever lived or ever will live has ever been tempted with. All rolled into one. That's why he was sweating blood in the garden. He was resisting it. Oh, he was so pulled. He was so pulled not to go through with it. What won out? What was stronger than his own desire to live? And What was stronger than anything else in his life? His love for the Father and his love for you and me. He said, oh, Father, not my will. Your will be done. He said, I'm going to demonstrate to the world that I love the Father. How? I'm going to do it. Come on. We're going to the cross. That proves he loves the Father. And it proves he loves us. Now the ball's in our court. Right? How many love God? Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church.
If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.